Hey everyone, welcome to the V1 Church Podcast. I know every week we have a special message, but I feel like this one is particularly historic. And I'm gonna step out on a limb and say that because I had planned to teach for three weeks on how to hear the voice of God. And this last week, I got so many DMs and emails and text messages from people saying, I feel like because New York is at the epicenter of COVID-19, it's a historic, just crazy message. Like, how could you have planned it better? And I didn't. I feel like the Holy Spirit did. So go ahead and take a listen. And then I actually want to tell you something at the very end, just something uh, I feel like is on my heart. So stick around till the very end. Go ahead and let's learn together. The phrase that was heard around the world from the epicenter of COVID-19 right here in Queens, biblical hell. That's what it's like. As a pastor, I asked myself, what would Jesus have to say from the epicenter of COVID-19 if he was asked to deliver a statement? What would his opinion of this situation be? And you know, I can't say much about what was spoken from Wuhan. I can't say much about what was spoken from Seattle and now this emerging epicenter in New Orleans. But I can tell you this much, as a New York City pastor, I wrestled for the last three days with the question, what does Jesus think about Queens right now being the epicenter of COVID-19? I was drawn to Matthew chapter 16. And in this, this illustration that we have in scripture, we have this picture of Jesus taking his followers and leading them to this region. And you know, as Jewish followers, the disciples were being taken to a region that they would have been told not to go to. As a matter of fact, they would have heard all of the lore, all of the stories for years and years and years about how this is that particular place that you simply do not go into. It was a place called Caesarea Philippi. Caesarea Philippi, just to give you a little bit of background, was a place that was given to pagan worship. It was not a place that worshiped the God of Jacob and Isaac. It, it, it was not that God. It was a pagan place of worship. And so as Jewish followers, they would have just known that the most appropriate thing to do is to stay away from Caesarea Philippi. Well, then now they are following this self-proclaimed Messiah, the Savior of the world, Jesus Christ himself, and he is marching them into Caesarea Philippi. As a matter of fact, in Matthew chapter 16, verse 13 through 19, it says, Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he was asking his disciples, he asked them this question, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? Who do they say that I am? Here's the question that I want to ask you, and I'm actually delivering this message live right now from the epicenter of COVID-19 right here in Queens. The question is this, who is Jesus in the midst of a global pandemic? Who is Jesus when you physically can't even go to church? Who's Jesus when the priest can't hand the wafer? Who's Jesus when they take away all the fixtures and the familiarities that we know as interacting with God? Who is Jesus then? Who's Jesus when you watch family members get intubated and they can't get you know, the proper medical care in a first world nation? Who's Jesus then? Who do they say Jesus is in Queens? 
And I can't speak on behalf of the other regions, but as a pastor based out of the place that is now being called the epicenter, I can tell you that my Jesus is the great physician. He's a healer. He's a way maker. He is the great shepherd who actually knows how to care for his flock and his sheep. He's the one who's given just poor boys uh, from the middle of nowhere uh, ideas that have brought down nations and, and brought down giants. And he is still that same Jesus here, the same Jesus that was the, 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 the prolific Jesus that they talked about and said, we can't figure out his methods. We can't figure out his ways. He's mysterious in the way that he responds to our questions. He's mysterious in the ways that he leads and moves. Is still moving mysteriously in our midst. And yes, we're losing people. Yes, the deaths are mounting up. Just a mile from, from where I'm at right now, they have refrigerated trucks so that they can facilitate the bodies that they're bringing out. And this is a horrific reality that's reminding all of us of our own humanity. It's reminding us of the limited time, this dash that we have from birth till death here on planet Earth. And it's, it's causing this stirring inside of our hearts, this awakening. I mean, we've been home long enough to be trapped with ourselves to try to ask these existential questions about who we are and why we're here and what we're doing. And it's with, it's with a lot of gravity to what I'm saying today that I present to you the same question that Jesus presented at a place called Caesarea Philippi. Who do people say that Jesus is? Is he still a good God when bad things are happening all around you? Are you terrified to even have a conversation with your kids and explain to them what's happening to your family members right now? Have you lost your job and you feel like you are already on the brink of losing everything and going bankrupt and now no matter how much of a stimulus package they approve, it's not going to be enough to bring you back from the place that you're headed financially right now. And in the midst of that, in accessory of Philippi, the question is still being asked. And the question isn't asked by the world. This was a question that Jesus asked himself. And I believe that Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, is asking all of us again, who now do you say I am? Why did the position matter? Why did the geographic location matter? Well, listen, church, this is, this is in fact the place in which the mystery lies. Because see, there's some times where God's voice is not activated until you find yourself in the right geographic location. There's some things that he waits to tell you until you show up into the right time and space. And then when you get into that convergence of reality where your geographic location matches the, the divine timeline of God, it activates his voice to say something to you there in that place at that time that he was never going to say before and it would be too late to say it later. But he's always right on time. And he's got an on-time word for you right now because I, I found myself here in Queens thinking like, this is a different Queens. This is a different New York City today, right now than it was three weeks ago. And, and, and I believe it's as we begin to march down into this convergence of time and space and this geographic location, the Lord stopped me and asked the question, who do you say I am now? Who do you say I am now that you have to disinfect on your way in and out of the door and wipe down all your groceries? Who do you say I am now? 
Who do you say I am now that you lost your job? Who do you say I am now that you can't get together and feel the music playing through the sound system of your local church? Who am I now? Let me just take it a step deeper. Caesarea Philippi, I mean, probably for most of you, uh, is not ringing a bell. It probably doesn't have that much of a background in your mind. Uh, you're probably not a biblical scholar, but I want to just explain to you that Caesarea Philippi, uh, at the entrance of it, had a cave. And that cave is of great significance here in this text in Matthew chapter 16, because that cave was a place of pagan worship. As a matter of fact, that cave was believed to be the housing, the, the dwelling place of these fertility gods. And these fertility gods would actually retreat into that cave that was at the entrance of Caesarea Philippi. And then they, it was believed by the locals, the pagan worshiping locals, that, that through a season of time, they would go into that cave and the fertility gods would die. And then in order to resurrect them out of that cave, you had to go into the waters of that cave and draw as many other pagan worshipers as possible and commit some of the most heinous sexual acts imaginable. And so because of that reputation and all of the deplorable things that would happen at the mouth of that cave to try to solicit these gods of fertility to come back from the dead and come out of this cave and be a blessing to the people of Caesarea Philippi, these Jewish followers, the very first disciples that Jesus had, would have resisted at all costs going into this place. As a matter of fact, it had such a bad reputation that it was called the gates of hell. It was called the gates of hell. And so Jesus would have physically marched his disciples towards Caesarea Philippi, and he would have been doing the very Hebrew thing of teaching with a visual representation. He would have been physically standing in front of these caves that would have represented to what they would have known as the gates of hell. And then he would have stood in front of the gates of hell. And in the original Greek text in the New Testament, you have it translated Hades, the gates of Hades. And then he would have said, now who do you say I am? It was Peter who got the revelation and said, you're the savior of the world. You are the Messiah. And he said, you heard correctly. Take it down a little bit further to Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. And it's, and he says this, I tell you, Peter, that on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell. Now think about what I just said, will not prevail against it. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. What implications does this have for you and I? What he was saying is, you often ask yourself the question, God, aren't you supposed to be saving me from trouble? Aren't you supposed to be taking me out of trouble? Aren't you supposed to be removing me from bad situations? Well, listen, to be a true disciple, a true follower of Christ, there, it means that there are gonna be some times, please be one, listen, where he walks you right up to the gates of hell so that he can have this voice-activated moment. He can, the geotagging, the positioning happens and activates and says, I waited to tell you this. I 
could have told you this down in the valley. I could have told you this on that other mountaintop, but I brought you right here to Caesarea Philippi, one of the most disgusting, heinous places, one of the, one of the places that would have been a demonic portal to hell to show you the true revelation of who I am. And, and see, you're in a situation right now where you're probably asking yourself, why would God, an infinitely merciful, gracious God, bring me to this place, the gates of hell? I mean, the, the news clip that was heard all around the world was a man saying, biblical hell, that's what it's like right here in New York City. To be a doctor is to be in biblical hell, biblical hell. But see, my mind went back to what I know to be the truth about God. It went back to the last time Jesus escorted some brave people, some disciples right into the gates of hell. And it reminded me that that is when you hear his voice most clearly, when you walk towards the danger that the world tells you to avoid. Now, are we practicing social distancing? Absolutely. All the best practices to keep ourselves safe. But I'm talking about the ones that have to go out. I'm talking about our police officers and firefighters. I'm talking about all of our health care workers that are going out every single day. I'm talking about, wait a second, the gates of hell. Some of us have tried everything we could to leave our homes, and yet even being quarantined in our own homes has brought us to the gates of of our personal hell. We do everything we can to leave our abusive spouse. We do everything we can to get away from the dysfunction of our home, and yet we find ourselves locked in, trapped. We're here. It's almost as if we have been led up to the gates of hell, and we're asking ourselves, I did everything I could in the, in the, in the schedule of my life to schedule as much time away from this atmosphere, and yet it's being demanded of me that I walk right right up to it. But isn't that just like Jesus? Isn't that just like the same God that took Daniel and said, Daniel, listen, I'm, I'm going to allow you to be brought into the lion's den because it's in that den that I'm going to reveal who I truly am. Hey, Moses, I'm going to actually allow you to go right up to the edge of the water and not part it until the right timing. And, and it's not going to show how good you are. It's going to show how good I am. Hey, listen, I'm going to allow you to come right up into the gates of hell to show you that their power could not prevail. As a matter of fact, just to kind of unpack this phrase so that you can understand the true richness of this scriptural text, you know, the gates of a city were its fortification. The gates of this city were the strength of the city. And so if you were an, uh, an army coming up to actually take siege and, and, and lay siege to a city and take it over, you would first have to contend with their gates. You would first have to go up to their gates. And so to come up to the gates of the city was another way of saying the, the true strength of the city is determined by the strengths of the gates. And so to come up to the mouth, watch this, the mouth of a cave in Caesarea Philippi, where they would be worshiping their own sexuality, where they'd be worshiping and, and, and actually doing some deplorable things and saying, well, this is how we bring this resurrection of this spirit. And it becomes a source of power for us. Jesus would be standing in 
front of the counterfeit and saying, there's their power and there's my power. There's the thing they celebrate and there's the thing that the true Christ followers celebrate. There's their way of doing life and there's our way of doing life. There's what they worship and there's what we worship. There's their death and resurrection and there's my death and resurrection. And what he was saying is not even the gates of hell, not even the full brunt, the full power of all the demonic forces, every sickness and disease, not not any amount of depression and suicide and anxiety, not all of what the devil could bring will prevail against the church. I want to take it a step further. The very first time the word church shows up in the New Testament is right here. Isn't that incredible? Caesarea Philippi. They're standing in front of the gates of hell, a literal manifestation of it. And Jesus himself uses the word church for the very first time in scripture. You might've missed it. He says this, And I tell you, Peter, on this rock, I will build my church. But he didn't use the word church the way that we say it. He used the word, watch this, ecclesia. And he would say ecclesia. And he would say, my ecclesia means my called out ones. The ones that assemble together being called out from amongst the other ones. See, right now, this is just a live stream. But see, there's two things happening. There's just another video that showed up on a phone or a laptop or an iPad. This is just another piece of content for some people. But for others, this is ecclesia. For others, this is the assembly of the called out ones. This is the true church. This is the very, this is the very fulfillment of that word that Jesus used. We are the ecclesia. We are the called out ones. We are the ones that say, no, this is not just another video. This is actually the assembled ones. And this is how we're assembling right now. This is the called out ones. We're not like them. We don't think like them. We don't talk like them. We don't fret like them. We don't doubt like them. We don't, we don't fear like them. We, we don't surrender to that. We may feel it in our moments of vulnerability, but we don't surrender to what we feel. We surrender to the voice of God. And this is the mystery that we encounter, the mystery of saying, God, I don't know what you're doing. I don't know how this is going to work out, but I trust that your voice is going to meet me to the destination you're calling me to walk into. And if you call me to walk into that hospital in Queens, though a thousand may fall at one side and 10,000 may fall at another side, I'm walking out of that place and I'm going to be a conduit of healing every single time I touch a patient and I'm going to believe that you are sovereign. But see, God's even better than that because when you truly break down Matthew chapter 16, this is the depth and the richness to it. What he's saying is that nothing can actually defeat the church, the called out ones. Nothing will prevail against it, not not even death not even death. And so when you put Daniel in the lion's den, Daniel's saying, I may not be comfortable, but I'm confident. What am I confident in? I'm confident because either way I win. If if the Lord delivers me out of this, it's a sign to all them that he's with me. But if I die to be absent from my body is to be present with the Lord. So the outcome is I win. The ecclesia, the called out ones, the assembly of the church cannot be defeated, not even by death. And so in that, we surrender to God's sovereignty and say, we will follow the mystery of your voice wherever it takes us, because no matter what the outcome is, we win. 
We win. It's a blessing to survive. It's a blessing to find myself in heaven surrounded by the generations of saints that have gone before me, uniting in a never-ending worship. As a matter of fact, we choose to live stream at 9 and 10, 10 and 7. But see, the worship around the throne of God has never stopped. We just have to pick a time for when we jump back into it. And what Daniel and, and, and what everyone who encountered all these trials and tribulations and scripture encountered is saying there is this infinitely long worship around the throne of God and no matter what I win because I'm a part of something that not even the gates of hell can prevail against and that's a victorious message and so I, I can't say I can't speak on behalf of Wuhan I can't speak on behalf of some of the other places that have been devastated but speaking out of the eye of the storm right now I can tell you this the last time Jesus found himself in a storm on planet earth he fell asleep during it. He took a nap during the storm. And I believe that we've got the kind of church that's going to learn how to sleep in the midst of a quarantine, that's going to learn how to rest in the midst of a quarantine, that's going to stand at the gates of hell and still hear him asking us the question, what do you hear in your spirit when I ask you the question, who am I? Because see, the ultimate question of can you hear the voice of God is can you get a revelation from the Holy Spirit? And what he was actually asking his 12 disciples was, who has gotten better at discerning and hearing my voice? And the only one that passed the test was the one who responded, I know who you are. You can conquer all. And I'm asking you right now, I'm challenging you. I'm challenging myself. Believe it. I've been finding myself paralyzed with fear at different points, thinking about what's going to happen when I go out to the grocery store. What am I exposing myself to even when I take every precaution? What about the loved ones in our church? What about the ones that I'm not done doing ministry with and I'm not done building the local church with? And in the midst of that, I've had to ask myself this question and I'm asking you this question as well. Who is the Holy Spirit speaking to you about who Jesus is? Who's he revealing himself to be? This is one of those moments where we have to stand in front of the gates of hell and we're being marched in front of it just like his disciples, just like Daniel, just like Moses, just like David. And now it's your turn and it's my turn. And, and we're, we're standing in front of our gates of hell. We're, it's maybe not Caesarea Philippi. Maybe it's just Myrtle Avenue in Queens. But who am I gonna say he is? And I'm convinced that he's still the Messiah. Here's what I want you to do. We're gonna, as a church, we're gonna make a powerful moment. We're gonna take the next three minutes and we are gonna pray for each other. As a matter of fact, there's a timer that's gonna come up on your screen. Husbands, pray for your wives. Wives, pray for your husband. I want you, children, pray for your brothers and sisters. If you're single, if you're home alone, I want you to hear the voices of all the saints joining with you, praying with you. Know that you are surrounded by an angelic host and that you're never truly alone and that the Holy Spirit's with you. But we're going to take three minutes. We're going to pray as a church. And after we get done praying, I want you to stick around because I have a very special announcement about next week. So I want you to take this time. I want you to listen. Listen, this is the very last message in this series entitled How to Hear the Voice of God. And this message has been about the mystery of God revealing His voice. So He brought you here to this place. You were alive during a global pandemic. What is the story that He is willing through your life?
What is the story that you're supposed to write with your actions right now? What's the story that you're supposed to tell with every movement that you make? Yeah, it might just be from the living room to the bathroom. It might just be from the bathroom to the bedroom, but every movement you make has eternal implications. What story are you supposed to write with your life through a global pandemic? And whether or not you can hear the voice of God is paramount when he actually marches you right in front of the gates of hell. So church, let's begin to pray. Hey, thanks so much for sticking around this far. Listen, we wanna be a church that does church together. And many of you have reported losing your jobs, being laid off. Uh, not only have you had family members who've gotten sick, but maybe you're sick as well. Well, listen, we believe that the church exists for this very reason, that we have to show each other what it means to be true family. So go to our website, v1.church, and click around. We just completely redesigned our website to help meet your needs and we wanna be there for you as a church family. So just click off of this right now, go to our website, www.v1.church, and let us help you and be a community for you in this time of need. And as always, I will see you next week.